to Strange Phenomena, the music of Kate Bush. I am Cecily, and this week we're going to be continuing on with the Red Shoes album. And so we're getting up toward the end. This is one of the last tracks, and it's a bit of a doozy, I have to say. This is going to be a really interesting one to talk about. Um, We're going to be talking about the song Big Stripey Lie. And with me to talk about the song this week is someone who hasn't been on the show before. Um, he found the show. And we've been emailing back and forth. And so I'm really excited to talk with him. Who are we talking to this week? My name is Matthew. Yay. Thank you so much for, for agreeing to come on the show again. Thank you. No problem. And so we're here today to talk about Big Stripey Lie. Um, so that's the 10th. This is the uh, 10th track from her seventh album, Red Shoes. Um what did you think of the song the first time you heard it? The very first time I heard it, I probably wasn't very much of a fan, to be honest. It didn't really seem to fit into that part of the album. I really don't like where it sits in the album. Yeah, and we'll get into that. I don't really either, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it just, it, it kind of it kind of sticks out bet- between the songs that... Uh, on either side of it, you know, before and after. It was one of those type of songs that you really had to listen to a few times to really uh, absorb it and get into it. Yeah, and certainly it's one that, like, I've kind of sat with it for, I guess, almost 20 years. And I think it's just really recently that it's really kind of hit me where I'm like, oh, actually, I really, I actually really like this song. (laughs) So... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've I've grown to like it a lot more over the years, but the first first listen, it definitely wasn't a favorite. Yeah, because because I'm I mean, we'll we'll kind of get into it. Like I think that where it sits on the album is really strange, and because mm-hmm. um, the the song that comes before it is very poppy, and then the song that's going to come after this is also kind of poppy and way more like Prince influenced, of course. So right. this doesn't. It doesn't really quite fit, but some, but I think there's probably a reason that she might have included this on the album after all. To me, it seems like it's a very personal song to her. I mean, the lyrics seem to uh, relate a lot to maybe what she was going with with Del Palmer and maybe with her mother, mm-hmm. who was uh, ill and then passed. Yeah, and that, that's kind of what I think too with um, that she probably just had a lot going on and. To me, this song sounds like someone who's in a very, very desperate situation, like that they're they're trying to it, it's a feels like a very human and messy type of song for, for right. sure. It feels like someone who's like emotionally ragged, doesn't, you know, is having trouble dealing with everything that's going on in their life. And I think that's I think so kind of my hot take, like I, I was kind of with you, like I didn't really, really like the song the first time, first couple times I heard it. Um, but I think in the last year or so, it's 
it's actually become one of my favorites from the red shoes i i mean this is kind of a hot take but i love this song now like i would say it's even in my top five from the album right it's, it's probably in my top five as well i uh i'm kind of a fan of the red shoes i like the album i think it's a little uneven some of the mm-hmm. songs are much better than others but yeah I, at first it wasn't a favorite at all and it's kind of grown on me and i I'd, I'd say it's probably fourth or fifth on my my list of favorites for that album mine too i was actually like kind of compiling it and yeah this was number five because like my Mm -hmm. my my number one favorite is the title track and then top of the city mine too and then lily Mm -hmm. and then moments of pleasure and then big stripey light what are yours probably the red shoes i mean that's one of my that's one of my top five kate songs of all time Mm -hmm. um i i'm a fan of rubber band girl i know some people don't like it too poppy or whatever but i do like that song i like moments of pleasure and then it's probably uh it's probably either big stripey lie or you're the one right there fourth and fifth yeah so we have to have very similar top fives <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah because you're you're the one was a really interesting one i ended up um that's one that that kind of had to grow on me as well um because I, really? I remember the like the first time i ever heard that one i was kind of like wow this is kind of hitting me emotionally and and mm. like it, it's another one that kind of grew on me a little over the years for sure so you know that, that was one that i liked almost right from the start i think it's really a different type of song for kate to do because you know it's mm-hmm. a really personal song and she do, usually doesn't do things that are so personally straightforward and you know it, it is a real traditional kind of you know heartbreak song or whatever you want to say, but oh yeah, it's it's one that I have always liked. I, I I like it a lot. So yeah, I mean, Big Stripey Lie. It's you know it's in my top five. I think the mm-hmm. part of why it is and why I've kind of really been drawn to this is because it reminds me the most of something from The Dreaming. Yeah, and it does me too. I. I saw mm. in your notes, I was looking at your notes and I saw that you said that. I, that's exactly how I've always felt about it. It feels like almost as if uh, she got in a time machine and went forward 10 years from 1982 and, uh, you know, recorded this song and <laughs> wound mm-hmm. up on the uh, album 10 years later. It's really got that feel uh, with the instrumentation you know how uh, frantic and crazy and just kind of bonkers it is mm-hmm. and it's and in terms of like how she can on the same album that sh- that kate bush has a song like this that is just so completely bonkers but then she has mm-hmm. other very poppy songs around it it's like who else does this right <laughs> i'm just kind of in awe of it it's like I'm not sure how exactly this works, but somehow it sort of does, even though it kind of sits a little <laughs> jarring. It's like, okay, we're just going to go with it. Yeah. <laughs> well, but yeah, because I mean, because Dreaming is my absolute favorite Kate Bush album. And so this does, it has like these jungle noises, which kind of make me think a little bit about um, Pull Out the Pin a little bit. I mean, mm-hmm. it sounds like a nightmare and it's... It's a very, it's, I feel like it's a very human song. And like, Kate Bush usually writes those kind of songs, like from very, she writes about very deep human experiences, like trying to swap places with someone to be able to understand them and, and all that. I'm running up that right. hill. And I think another reason why this, 
this song in particular has really resonated with me is because I've been through bouts of pretty deep depression before. And so I can, I can understand the feelings that this song evokes in me. Like she kind of evokes that feeling of being lost in your own mind where your thoughts are kind of like where I think like the wild animals, you know, your wild animals are loose in here that your Mm -hmm. thoughts, that's, that's your thoughts that are running around. You can't get out and you're just kind of, your mind is just running wild. You can't get out and you're basically stuck in a nightmare of your own making. And now I've been in moments like that before. And so I think this song evokes a lot of that for me. Sure. I, I kind of feel the same way about how it, you know, uh, with the emotions and uh, uh, really being like frantically trying to grasp everything that's uh, coming at you when you're, you're going through like a lot of things that are stressful or in your life. And as far as like the sound of the music, I always kind of heard it as kind of having like an industrial sound. Almost, it almost sounds like mechanical to me. The the instrumentation, mm-hmm. like almost almost like clunky, like uh, like with the squeaky sound, and it makes it seem uh, like it's a machine that's not working properly, or whatever you want to say. <gasps> Oh my God, I never quite thought of that, but you're right. Because it does. I was actually yeah. listening to this right before we started talking. And I put on the headphones and I could hear like different little, some of those other little effects that I never even really noticed before. Yeah, it just, you know, it sounds like it. And it almost, you know, kind of feeds into what she's singing about lyrically with uh, it almost sounding like, you know, just something that's like kind of clunking along and she's trying to, you know, keep going with it. And it just, uh, is, you know, becoming frantic and, you know, she's getting in her head with, like you said, with the jungle sounds and the animals and everything. And, and also kind of go to go along with the mechanical sound, because um, something I noticed, especially with this album, is something with the way that the drums were mixed, that it almost sounds like the, the drums seem almost like a drum machine almost, but like, but they're the way they're somehow to me, at least like, it seems like they're tuned like way up, like trouble, maybe a lot, a little bit more, a little too much trouble in the mix. And so it doesn't even sound human anymore, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I'd agree. It, uh, you know, it does have, a, it's like high in the mix with the drums and it does sound like a drum machine. I think didn't, uh, Dell make like a drum loop or something. And that's what she built the song from. Yeah. I think- I, yeah. She actually, this is, this is an interesting, it's like one of the few times she's ever talked about this song. She, um, or she said that it was that a big stripey lie is a law unto itself and nearly didn't make it onto the album. It was originally a very early song, which I'd written to a drum sequence of Dell's and 
And this, I think, is really interesting. And suddenly I decided I was going to play guitar all over it. I'd only had <laughs> one lesson and couldn't get the chords together that I'd been taught. So I put up the backing track and thrashed. I had a fantastic time, completely indulgent, and I loved every minute. <laughs> yeah, and I, I didn't realize it was her first time that she'd ever, you know, tried to play guitar. You know, that she'd only had one lesson or anything. I, I did. I'd always noticed that it, uh, she was credited on the sleeve that she'd played guitar and bass. And I really love her bass line that she plays in it. It's, you know, it's slightly distorted and a little funky and it just kind of like adds to the kind of mechanical, you know, uh, industrial sound of it. Oh, yeah. And I did act too, like when I, I've, I'd always seen in the, the credits that Kate Bush played guitar on this song, but then it wasn't really until I started doing the notes for this, I was like, oh, and so I, I, I started thinking of the quote um, from Ferris Bueller, where he, he's playing clarinet and he said, never had one lesson. <laughs> and so I was thinking here, like she <laughs> yeah. played guitar and like, only had one lesson. <laughs> Never had one lesson. <laughs> <laughs> well, it worked for the song, even if it was only mm -hmm. one lesson. So, Yeah, and I, I actually think that like the way she's playing, the way that Kate was playing, it's just, it adds texture to the song. And, you know, right. it, it may not be perfect, but you know what? Let her rip. Let her just have fun with it. And I'm glad that they did. Yeah. And in fact, she also said even further, kind of going out, adding more about the guitar, that, uh, because the guitar was so wild, the song took on the shape of wandering into someone's emotional world, which is jungle-like and wild. It was very experimental, but people seemed to like it. And then this was also to your, because there's, there's a violin part in there. Um, it was mm -hmm. lovely to work with Nigel Kennedy again. Interesting that he didn't need to ask what the track was about. Takes one to know one. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I love the violin, the little uh, repeated violin mm -hmm. bit that's in that song. It just it gives it like a certain melancholy or whatever you want to say, kind of riding over the top of it. Oh, yeah. I mean, all the songs that he that Nigel's played on, like he played, he played on Experiment Four. So he he did that that violin part in there. Like he when he when his part comes in for any of her songs, like it just there's immediately like adds on like other texture and melancholy for sure to it. And I think mm -hmm. that the way he plays it in here, like he he gives it a little bit of a melody too, because there's there's not. I mean, there is a melody, of course, of what she's singing, but it's not terribly melodic it's it is more right. about the noise and she isn't even really singing she's almost you know talk singing yeah the, like the way the melody is very stepwise gentle dreams drowning in life's grief can you hang on to me and like she does have some leaps mm -hmm. in melody like when she's when she suddenly does that help you i know i could be good for you
but it is mostly stepwise. Like she's not, you know, da 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 stepwise rather than just like, oh, I'm going to do these big leaps in the melody. So, and, um, but considering she was writing this over a track, I mean, when you're, when you're writing something kind of over a track, like it, you get to kind of think about more about like, okay, you don't want the melody to work, be too jarring with what's already there. And considering there was already a lot going on, I'm glad she had the, the melody the way it was. What's interesting too with this song, and I find that a lot of the other songs on the Red Shoes are so straightforward that you know, you, you kind of get what it's about pretty much after one listen. But this one is way more cryptic. Like, I think these are probably some of the least direct lyrics on the whole album. I can almost uh, assume what she's singing about, but it's really hard to tell because, you know, it's kind of all, you know, like you said, cryptic and kind of uh, hiding behind uh, the words, what she really means by the words, you know. Because, I mean, a big stripey lie. I've even been on, I went online to, to look at, what other people kind of theories that fans have as to what a big stripey lie is. I mean, she never really says Mm -hmm. and the lyrics never really say what it is. And in fact, she only even says it once it's within the first line of the song. Um, Uh And of course, when she's like, doesn't even say, say what it's about. I kind of have a theory that the, the big stripey lie is that the, the idea of love and relationships lasting forever, that things will always remain the same and that things are always going to be good. I mean, kind of lines up with the later line about all young, gentle dreams drowning in life's grief. Can you hang on to me? Um, but then I've seen other theories, like even one of them that somebody thought it was about the American dream and like the waving of the American flag. Um <laughs> And another trying to work the stripes into that. Yeah, trying to yeah work that in there. <laughs> um, but I mean, it could honestly. I think it's open to a lot of interpretation, and whatever people's interpretations are is. I mean, I I like that she left it open to interpretation. So. Right. I I I mean, the expression "big stripey lie" is kind of even a mystery to me because I don't even know what that means. I mean, it could have just been something that as she was coming up with the lyrics over the the backing track that she just decided, hey, this sounds cool. And you know what? Yeah. And you know, as somebody my myself, I've I've done that same kind of thing over music. Sometimes I just pick phrases because it sounds cool, not because it necessarily means anything. But I mean, the lyrics just scream desperation. And I think considering what Kate Bush was going through at the time. It's that's probably why she ended up putting this on the album, even though I do think it is a little bit jarring. But yeah, I mean, I do like the song. I it's just the two songs that sits in between. It just feels so awkward. Mm-hmm. I just think that it 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 could fit on the album. It just needs a little uh, retooling with the sequence of the songs. It. Just, I don't know, it's just between those two songs that those two songs are really kind of poppy and upbeat. And then you have this song that's kind of like, you know, straight out of the dreaming dropped into it right between them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I almost would have put this maybe like earlier in the album. Yeah, maybe it could have fit on side one somewhere and swapped something over side mm-hmm. two. 
maybe, but I mean, because even I'm, I'm kind of looking at the track listing, like where, where would you put this? And I'm really not sure. Oh, maybe if they switched it with Eat the Music. I don't know. Well, I don't know if I like, I think it, well, no. No. I don't know if I like Moments of Pleasure following that. Uh, wow, it's tough. Maybe that's why it ended up in an <laughs> awkward place. Because yeah. Because not place to put it. I almost think maybe this after Moments of Pleasure, but then that might be, I don't know, that could just be too jarring. I don't, yeah, I don't know. That's my, maybe she, that's why she kind of put it on toward the end. Maybe she could have just switched it around with uh, Why Should I Love You and had it second to last. Yeah. You, you, yeah, she could have done that. might have been a little better. I don't know if that's a big improvement, but it might have improved it slightly. Or like, in, or swapped this out and had this after Top of the City. Maybe, yeah. Maybe. But I feel like Constellation, because I feel like Constellation of the Heart should follow or should be before something like, why should I love you? Because they just have like kind of two poppy things in a row. I don't know. It's just an interesting question. (laughs) Where would it go? (laughs) And it's never going to change it. It's the way it is. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, sure. Like these days, you know, you can make a Spotify playlist or whatever if you wanted to. And and honestly, sometimes I have done that for certain albums from certain artists but um, you could try that, but... Of course, I always think this album's just maybe one or two songs too long, but I'd hate to see it left off, so... Yeah, because as it is, it's about 55 minutes. When you Because right. it's almost an hour long, so it does... Sometimes if I sometimes it does feel a little bit long to me, but it, it would feel weird to not have it on here because it's right. just... I think that this was a very much... That Big Stripey Lie was very much a reflection of where she was mentally at the time and so it just kind of, it just had to be on there yeah and i like when kate does things where she has like a wide variety of different sounding songs on the same album mm-hmm. where it's just taking you all over the place and that's why i would hate to see it go because it's such a different song from everything else that's on there mm-hmm. yeah because this is the one that you know is we and i both think we're it's it's the one that reminds them reminds us the most of kind of what came before and i love mm-hmm. the wacky kind of stuff she did before so. so do i you know that's my favorite stuff oh yeah but i think and there's there's also like kind of who who played on this song it was interesting because there's someone who's credited on here that i have not been able to find any information about who he even is but he played the drums and some of the percussion and sound effects on this song it was this um, mm-hmm. someone named a uh, um Gaumont d'olivera who also played who also played bass guitar on the red shoes the title track but i've never haven't been able to find out who exactly he is and so we got him he's on here and then she is she's Got Nigel Kennedy playing um, playing the violin and and she singing and and doing the bass and the guitar and that's pretty much it. Like there's it doesn't seem like there's a lot. It it you know what also like it feels more like the way that her that Kate Bush used to do her songs where like bring in a couple of people and they like 
lay down one little track here, one little track here, and you kind of play it, put it together that way instead of, oh, we're all going to be playing together in the same room. Yeah, where she would just build on uh, the things that she had and just build it up from uh, the drums or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, nobody was ever in the same room playing the same thing at the same time. They always just uh, would add their part, you know, track by track, layer by layer. Which is how a lot of music is done these days. Right, it is. Yeah, but probably not as common back in the 80s and 90s as it is today. But, um, you know, having just people bringing in for this part here and this part here, we put it all together and all that kind of stuff. Oh, I almost forgot about this one. This was one I kind of just found this morning. And, um, yeah, this was actually from Del Palmer. Um, this is from November 1993, so he, uh, this was around the time that the album was, was released, and he says, um, this track is fascinating in that the bass and guitar sounds, which te- seem typical of dub specialist Ja Wobble and quirky American indie rock bands, are in fact all played by Kate herself, who picked up a guitar during the recording sessions and within a couple of weeks was asking for Marshall Valve guitar amps to be delivered so she could create screaming guitar solos. It's a sort of stocking filler track, the last one to be written, and has a sort of Captain Beefheart impersonation on the bass and guitar. The bass sound is intentionally overdriven on the mixing desk, but also partly results from Kate's style of playing it. Her energetic style overloads the compression on the desk without actually creating distortion due to high volume. Chirpy keyboard sounds on a Yamaha DX7 and an unexpected violin part combine to make this one of the most absorbing tracks on the album, despite the fact that it's untypical in its overall recording method. This one was done quite quickly by the old method of putting down one track at a time, so it's not representative of the band-orientated approach on the rest of the album. Interesting because, you know, it tells you, uh, like with the bass sound, that it was like distorted even when they recorded it. It wasn't any distortion added to it. And, uh, you know, the bass really kind of jumps out. And you can hear it, especially uh, in the part where she has the guitar solo, you hear the bass really uh, has a distortion on it. I'm just imagining her like in the studio, just like she's picking up like the guitar, or, like like maybe a kid at Guitar Center or something. You're picking up and just bang, like yeah, that kind of thing. I'm just imagining that. I don't know if that's how um, it was, but I'm just gonna imagine that. <laughs> right, it's kind of kind of what it sounds like. It turned out pretty well. Mm-hmm. And I think that I think it really adds a lot to the song and makes it so makes it so weird. And weird is what I like with Kate Bush. <laughs> I like yeah, it when she too. goes weird. Yeah. Well, what else do we want to talk about with the song? Let's see. I'm kind of looking through my notes here. What all do you have for notes? Oh, like with the the help you, hurt you, good for you parts that are in the song. I don't know if, it, if you call that the bridge or the chorus. I don't know what the structure of the song, what you, exactly you would call that, but how subdued it is in the mix. Like it almost seems like she's overwhelmed and, you know, barely being able to uh, register the person that's trying to console her. I think I would consider that part the chorus. I kind of think there's, 
there there are two choruses because there's the first chorus where she's like don't want to hurt you baby i only want to help you i could be good for you and then the mm-hmm. second one being only want to help you never want to hurt you i know i could be good for you yeah and those are the parts i'm talking about yeah it almost seems like it could be almost like a like a dialogue almost where like the chorus could be either her talking either either somebody else talking to her and saying, you know, I want to help you because they're they're seeing that she's in this. They're seeing that the the narrator is in such a state that they just want to help you. They just want to help them. Yeah, that's how I kind of see it. Is someone else speaking to her? Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, she's not quite all together getting what they're uh, saying. It's she can hear them, but it's not quite getting through. That's what it feels like to me. And and certainly like when I've when I've been in some pretty deep depression before, that that's kinda what it kinda feels like when you're in the middle of it and your your loved one is just trying to they, they really want to just help you and, and get you out of your get you out of that state. Exactly. Yeah. What do you think of the the verse here, your name is being called by sacred things that are not addressed or listened to. Sometimes they blow trumpets. Your name is being called by sacred things that are not addressed or listened to. Sometimes they blow trumpets. You know, that like evokes like an image of like angels or something to me. Mm-hmm. And... I, I kind of, I don't know, I I kind of associate that with her, maybe her, you know, her mother dying, uh, something with that. But, you know, it's it's just cryptic enough. You don't know exactly what she means. I always think, I always too thought of those as like angels. It kind of had an, a, a bit of an apocalyptic vibe almost, making me think of something from the Book of Revelation or something like right. that. With the trumpets. Mm-hmm. And that's just kind of going along with the whole, the whole vibe of the song, with everything being very chaotic, and you're not sure what's going on, and and you're just kind of in this state. The whole song kind of feels that way, where she's just in a state and trying to be consoled, and she's got all these different things going on in her life, and she's trying to work through them, and it's very difficult. Do you think at the end that maybe she eventually gets out of that state? I think she does. I don't know if she does when the song ends, though. She's working in that direction. Because yeah, even by the end, when by the time she gets to the, you know, hey, all you little waves, run away, run away, she almost sounds like she's kind of defeated, almost. Where, like, she's just kind of, like, all, ever, kind of just overwhelmed with everything going on. And just, she's just kind of like, okay, just just go away. Okay. You're, like, you're, she's just kind of tired. Oh, uh, yeah. I'd never really heard it that way. But that's interesting. I kind of like your interpretation of it. Oh, how did you, how did you interpret that part? I just interpreted it. She was just, I wouldn't say she was defeated in the way I had seen it. I just felt like she was just, you know saying, you know, this all needs to go away. I just need it all to go away. And, you know, 
that's where the song ends. But I, I do like your interpretation better. That's <laughs> now my new interpretation. So, because <laughs> it's just like the way she was singing it. Because I was really like this time I was really listening to it like right before we talked, and I'm just thinking she just sounds just so just okay. I'm just done. And speaking of the ending, I'm you know there uh, when the song was remixed for. Uh, then we release what year that was that just uh just a few years ago the ending they put a fade out on the ending of it really yeah the old the older version of it it kind of just it kind of dissolves the, all the instruments kind of drop off and then finally it just the drums and then it just stops Where with the newer version, it kind of has like a slight fade out night. I mean, it sounds so much better on the new version, but I can't stand that ending. It just jars me every time because I'm so used to the original way it was. Because the, the the original, yeah, you're right. Like it slowly, everything just kind of drops out, mm-hmm. and I just I can't imagine there being being a fade. It 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 kind of starts to do it where the instruments are dropping out, but then before the drums get complete, it kind of fades away, and it doesn't you know just come to a complete stop like it does in the original mix. Okay, so that must have been on the um, the uh, the remasters, the, uh, the the box set from a couple of years ago, right? Okay, it might have been on the other one. They didn't they remix it like in uh, fifteen years ago or something? Oh, you oh the, they remastered it in twenty eleven. Yeah, when she did the new release of the the red shoes on her Fish People label. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm not sure on that version of it. I. I have the original CD, and then I have a, Me too. the vinyl version of a, the remaster, but I I don't have that other version, so I'm not sure. But I, yeah, I notice that the difference between it every time, and it kind of bugs me just a little bit. <laughs> On the oh, and actually, I'd, I almost forgot until we started recording that um, another that another version of the song was a B side for "Eat the Music." when she released that in the U.S., and I'd forgotten about that, but Mm -hmm. I went back and kind of listened to it, and it's the exact same as the album version. Right. Like, there's nothing different. I think it is. I don't don't think it was uh, remixed or anything for it. No, it was exactly the same, same as the album version, and, like, same length. I mean, nothing, nothing really was changed. Let's see. What else do you got for your notes for for Big Stripey Lie? Because I know we talked a lot about like kind of what's about and everything like that. But is there anything else that you have for your notes that we haven't gotten to? I have one thing that was just kind of more broadly about the Red Shoes, saying I thought it was her most personal album. I thought 
it had the most songs on it that kind of reflected her personally because oh, you know mm-hmm. usually Kate writes from you know a character's perspective where I feel like a lot of these songs including this one were more personal to her yeah and it's it's interesting that she started going in that that kind of direction on this album and I know I agree that sis I think the red shoes is Kate Bush's most personal album like it's it's the most it's the one album of songs where you can point to like many of them and go no this was definitely written about you instead of a character so yeah the only other thing is I just said I I still don't know the expression Briggs big stripey lie I just you know she, did she just make that up <laughs> because <laughs> I'd never heard that and any anytime you try to look up like what is a big stripey lie it just takes you right back to Kate Bush mm-hmm. so. it does yeah <laughs> <laughs> I think she just picked it because it sounded cool. Like sometimes yeah. when you're coming up with music or you're coming up with lyrics, you get the melody yeah. and then you just kind of put whatever words kind of just fit with it. Doesn't even have to completely sure. make sense. Sometimes it's just about the way the words sound together or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah. and especially yeah. for or... a language, especially for a language like English that can have that doesn't necessarily that has a certain flow to it, but it's very different. That like. You can you can put stuff together and and also English is nice and flexible with like how you can put words together. <laughs> so much more so than French. Like I love French, but French is not very flexible <laughs> as far as those <laughs> things go. Not at all. Uh, I think that's all I had for my notes. Everything else we've pretty much gotten through. Yeah, I think so. I mean, and plus there's not really the song really hasn't appeared in too many places. I mean it's it's an album track i mean could be considered a b-side but well it was released on the album so it's not like it was Mm. a uh an unreleased it's not like um lord of the reedy river or something like that where like no this was not on the album this was something like extra special if you get the single um it was primarily an album track and and i have to say like it's it's a song that seems to divide a lot of people yeah i know it doesn't seem like it's very popular with the fandom which i i try not to let my opinions be shaped by that so so part of one of the things i like about kate bush is that she has so many different songs and so many different moods that you're i feel like you're always going to find something you'll hang on to and she's got music for different moods she's got your happy songs she got your sad songs you got your what the hell is going on here kind of songs (laughs) the bonker songs my favorite ones I know, I, I do. That's that's part of what I love about the dream. It's just like, it's so bonkers and like nobody else I can think of has ever put out an album like that. And All right. I mean, yeah, I, I admit I'm kind of biased. So like, yeah, so of course I'm going to be drawn to a song that reminds me the most of something from the dreaming. But, you know, here's why. <laughs> and also like it yeah. has some personal stuff for me. So there you go. Sure. Being like the dreaming, I, as far as I'm concerned, you can't do any worse than that. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's the one of album of hers that took me the longest, I think, to really get into. And then once I did, it was like, okay, you got me, you got me. Right. Yeah, I love the dreaming too. I, you know, it's just so crazy, and every song on there is just all the layers. And every time you listen to it, there's something new to hear. Yeah, like, I, re- I remember when I was going through the song, going through there, and uh, kind of prepping, when I was prepping the episodes, 
and finding out, oh, there's a whip sound in there. And I never really noticed like the the whip sound in there that's like, woo, woo. Like I never noticed that before. And then, yeah, every time I listen to the dreaming, I find something new that I go like, oh, wait, there's that thing in there. That's really cool. Yeah. And sometimes it's like you can pick up something when you're listening to the headphones or if you're listening to it in the car or something, different sounds that are in the in there and uh the different instruments and everything it's just so densely layered that there's just something to pick out every time Mm-hmm. kind of like this song right just all those dif- different sound effects in the jungles and stuff and just oh my god i love it yeah i think that's pretty much it for this song and she's there's never been of course this wasn't a single so there was no video this has never been done live i mean it would be interesting hearing this live (laughs) yeah i don't even know how you do it live no uh, probably a lot of probably a lot of like triggering little sounds and backing things right like i can't even imagine this song is like a girl and piano version like if she were to sit down and play this like moments of pleasure i can't even imagine anything like that (laughs) Yeah, it, it wouldn't work that way at all. No. <laughs> she could probably try. I, it would be interesting to hear it, but I don't think that it would, it, I don't think it would have the same gravitas for sure. No, it wouldn't at all. It's kind of built on it, you know, the sonic textures that, uh, you know, come from the drums and the uh, guitar and everything. Whereas, you know, you, can, you can't really translate that to just piano. I mean, you could, but it wouldn't have the same effect. Well, thank you so much for, uh, for being on the show today to talk about Big Stripey Lie. And, um, well, I definitely want to have you on when we talk about Ariel, because now we've been going back and forth about favorite Kate Bush stuff. And I definitely want to have you on for Ariel. Oh yeah, absolutely. Endless Sky of Honey. That's my thing. Yeah. That one is like, I, I, that one is like to me the perfect album to listen to in the summertime. It's, it's just, Oh, oh absolutely. my gosh. The whole album's a summer album, but, you know, just listening to that, I, I love to, you know, go outside in the summer and just have that, you know, play an endless sky of honey and just sit there and enjoy the weather. And it's just perfect for that. Mm-hmm. Oh, it is. Yeah. So yeah, we'll make sure we have you on for talk about, to talk about, uh, to talk about Ariel. That will be really cool. Yay. Yeah. I'd love to come back. Well, thank you so much for being on the show again, and uh, we'll we'll definitely have you on for for the future season. Yay! Yeah, thanks for having me, Cecily. I really mm-hmm. enjoyed it. And that does it for another episode of Strange Phenomena, the music of Kate Bush. So we've talked about Big Stripey Lie, and now that leaves us with two more songs to talk about for the Red Shoes, at least as far as the album tracks are concerned. So those are going to be coming out uh, next week and then the week after. So by the end of this year, we will have had all the album tracks from the Red Shoes released. And I plan to do just a couple of weeks break before we get into talking about the b-sides because there are also some really really cool b-sides i can't wait for us to get to so that's the plan for the show really really excited about that but first things first here if you are enjoying the show and you want to follow me on twitter aka x 
You can follow me on twitter.com slash strangekatecast, on Facebook, facebook.com slash katebushpodcast. I also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash katebushpodcast. And you can also call a hotline if you ever want to leave a short little message about your favorite Kate Bush song. And that is 1-757-349-6369. That's 1-757-349-6369. And also you can email me at katebushpodcast at gmail.com. So lots of different ways that you can be in contact with me uh, to participate in the show. So make sure to join us next time for why should I love you? So that's going to be the next one. And then a week after that will be you're the one. So looking forward to it. We'll see everybody next time. Bye. It's NFL draft season. And that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com. Code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.